This is the Adams Road program. Adams Road is a Christian music ministry dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Today's program features Adams Road songs, Adams Road piano instrumental music, as well as music in the spoken word, offered to God as an aroma of Christ to help spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4.13, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Today's reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 3. Then what advantage does the Jew have? Or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, because, first of all, they were entrusted with the revelations of God. What if some were without faith? Will their lack of faith nullify the faithfulness of God? May it never be. Yes, let God be found true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you might be justified in your words and might prevail when you come into judgment. But if our unrighteousness commends the righteousness of God, what will we say? Is God unrighteous who inflicts wrath? I speak like men do, may it never be. For then how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God through my lie abounded to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? Why not, as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let's do evil that good may come? Those who say so are justly condemned. What then, are we better than they? No, in no way. For we previously warned both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin, as it is written, There is no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. They have all turned away. They have together become unprofitable. There is no one who does good, no, not so much as one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of vipers is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they haven't known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever things the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may be brought under the judgment of God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from the law, a righteousness of God has been revealed, being testified by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God sent to be an atoning sacrifice through faith in His blood, for a demonstration of His righteousness through the passing over of prior sins, in God's forbearance to demonstrate His righteousness at this present time that he might himself be just and the justifier of him who has faith in Jesus. Where then is the boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? 
know but by a law of faith. We maintain, therefore, that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, whereas God, the God of Jews only, isn't he the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since indeed there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. No, we establish the law. for us and he can sympathize in our weakness in every way and he will give us peace guard our hearts and minds he will go with us not leave us behind behind and sufficient
was Jesus is Enough from the Adams Road album, Tongues of Fire. All right, Romans chapter 3. Now we're getting into the good stuff, the gospel, the good news. Paul's been teeing this up here for a couple chapters. After the introduction in Romans chapter 1, he went right into the wrath of God, a section where he's focusing on our deserved judgment because of our sin. We've fallen short of God's glory and of the law of God. And that starts in about verse 18 of Romans 1, where he says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And then we talked about what happens when we reject God and we turn to idols and all of the horrible things that happen as a result of that idolatry. And then Paul makes the case in Romans chapter 2 that even the person who tries to be righteous and who follows the law or thinks they're following the law, they're religious or they're a moralist, that they too are no better than everyone else, that we're all under sin. And so in chapter 3, in the beginning part of chapter 3, he's going to end this section of the book of Romans, which deals with the wrath of God, by just reiterating and summarizing that no one is righteous, not one, that we've all sinned, and we deserve the judgment of God because of that sin. And so he quotes some Psalms, I believe Psalm 14 and Psalm 53. And then, then he's going to transition in verse 21, I believe, to grace, to the next section of the book of Romans, which covers the second half of chapter 3 all the way through chapter 8. And after that, then Paul's going to go into the plan of God and finally the will of God for the Christian. So here's the interesting thing. In the beginning of Romans chapter 3, Paul's going to anticipate some of the objections that will be made up to this point from what he shared. No doubt Paul was very versed in debating with the Jews and presenting his case for the gospel before the Jews. He would go into the Jewish synagogues first, and no doubt he heard objections from those who were under the law. Maybe he had those same thoughts himself when he was a Jew. And so Paul deals with all these things. He anticipates any argument that would be made against him. And here in in the beginning of three, we see him doing that by asking questions and then resolving those questions. Like what advantage has the Jew? Because you're thinking after he's just basically said that the Jews are sinners just like the Gentiles. Well, what point is there of having the law? Well, he says there's much advantage in every way. And the first point he makes is the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What a head start that is to be raised with God's truth. We may be incapable of perfectly following that truth, but what a blessing it is to have the Word of God. And as we look in our own context as Christians in this day, what a beautiful thing it is to be raised from a young age in the Word of God. He's going to deal with the fact that people are going to argue, well, what's the point then? Why not just sin if our unrighteousness is going to show the righteousness of God? Why not sin all the more? Paul doesn't even actually deal with that point. He just says, the people who think that way, their condemnation is just. And starting in verse 19, he says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Have you ever done something just so stupid and so obvious that somebody points you out on that thing and you really don't have a defense for it? The wrongfulness or the wretchedness of what you just did, it's it's fully exposed. 
It needs no explanation. There, there can be no defense to that. And in the same way, imagine standing before the judgment seat of God without an advocate and trying to explain to God or defend yourself and, and say that you're not a sinner. I mean, the fact is we would have nothing to say and there's nothing we could say to defend ourselves. That's why we need an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So what's the point of the law here in Romans 3, according to Paul? The point of the law is that it brings about knowledge of sin. It has a role in exposing our sinfulness before God so that we can recognize our need for reconciliation with God, our need for forgiveness, our need for a savior, some kind of way to deal with the separation that our sin has caused in our relationship with our creator. So Paul's gonna demonstrate here in chapter three, the answer, the answer is Jesus. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. I'll tell you what, Romans chapter three verses like 19 to 25 must be one of the most incredible passages in all of scripture. It clearly expounds upon and reveals the gospel of grace. There are some big words we need to be aware of here in this passage. For example, justified or redemption or propitiation. So what do these terms mean and how do they relate to the gospel? So it says that we're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So justification is a term, it's a legal term that's used in courts. If you're justified, that means that you've been proven innocent or not guilty, or you've been set free from that punishment or that sentence. In the courtroom of God, we are guilty. And so what Jesus did when he died on the cross, he bore in his body our sins. He paid the penalty that we deserved for our sin. And then Jesus, who is God manifested in the flesh, he's God's only son, and he lived a perfect life he fulfilled every requirement that was necessary to have eternal life. And so we're given, we are accredited his perfect life, his righteousness. And so the only way we could be justified before God or declared not guilty would be to have the perfect righteousness of God. Otherwise we could not endure his presence. We couldn't go to heaven and we couldn't have eternal life. And so our sin is credited to Jesus and his righteousness is imputed towards us. So we're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. It's just as if we've never sinned. God doesn't see our sinful past. He sees the perfection of Christ covering us and he accepts us in the beloved. He accepts us in Christ. The second term that's used in this passage is the term redemption. We're justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, to be redeemed It's to be bought back with a price. And it's used in Old Testament terms of slavery or with Boaz and Ruth, for example. Boaz redeemed Ruth and Ruth was a part of his inheritance. Ruth became a part of the family. So God has purchased us. He's redeemed us with the price of his only son's death. Jesus has fully paid for our sins by his own blood. For example, this is what the Apostle Peter said. He said, knowing that you have been ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 
So Jesus came to set the prisoners free. We were enslaved to the law and to sin, to the passions of our flesh, and Jesus came, and he's redeemed us from that. He's paid the ransom in full, set us free from this prison so that we could live a life in him, a life in the Spirit of God. So that's our redemption. It's the forgiveness of our sins. It's the fact that Jesus has washed away our sins in his own blood. The Apostle John said in Revelation 1.5, Now to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, or in most translations these days, to him that loved us and has freed us from our sins by his own blood. Same idea there. And finally, the Apostle Paul, for example, in Ephesians 2 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. So the redemption in Christ is that through his blood, through his death on the cross, he is paid in full our sin debt owed to God. All we have to do is receive this gift. So we're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So what is propitiation? Some translations say atoning sacrifice. The Greek word used there is also in reference to the mercy seat, where in the old law in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, blood was sprinkled once a year to appease or satisfy the wrath of God. So propitiation, again, is the wrath of God was satisfied or appeased in what Jesus Christ did so that he's no longer angry with those who would put their trust in Jesus, but would receive what Christ has done on their behalf. There is no, there is no wrath, there is no judgment. So that's propitiation. And another term used in this passage is grace. So what's grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is a free gift. Think of it as God's riches at Christ's expense. So the gospel is that we're justified, we're declared righteous in God's sight, and by his grace as a gift, through this redemption, through the fact that Jesus has bought us with his blood, and God put this forward as a propitiation by his blood, meaning that through his blood shed, it also satisfied the wrath of God, the demands of the law upon the sinner, and this is to be received by faith. So we receive this gift that God offers through Christ and his work as a free gift. That's incredible, and that's the gospel. If you're listening to this content today through the radio broadcast, we just want to let you know that this content is also released as a podcast on a weekly basis. You can find it by searching Adams Road Podcast. Micah Wilder, a member of our ministry, recently wrote a book called Passport to Heaven. When Mormon missionary Micah Wilder set his sights on bringing a Baptist pastor and his congregation into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he couldn't have imagined that the entire trajectory of his life was about to be changed forever. Micah's passionate effort to convert these Christians was met by a surprising challenge. To read the Bible through the eyes of a child, letting the Word speak for itself. He learned of a God whose love did not have to be earned, and he wrestled with the radical idea of God's mercy for the remaining 18 months of his mission. As he struggled to reconcile the teachings of his church with the truths revealed in the Bible, he encountered the true character of Jesus for the first time and awakened to his need for his grace. Passport to Heaven 
is a gripping account of Micah's journey from living as a devoted member of a religion based on human works to embracing the divine mercy and freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ. As I lay there contemplating the vastness of the love that had been so extraordinarily conveyed to me, the magnitude of Christ's atonement exploded in my heart like a supernova, radiating far beyond my mortal vessel and bringing with it the desire to fall to my knees. The Holy Spirit then began painting a picture of perfect love before me in mere seconds that I had waited a lifetime to understand. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, after having been betrayed and falsely condemned, was dragged into the streets of Jerusalem, where he was brutally beaten, fiercely scourged, spat upon, and publicly scorned. The blameless and spotless Lamb of God cried in agony as a vicious crown of thorns was thrust onto his head, and the Roman soldiers mocked him, saying, Behold, the King of the Jews. And yet Jesus was the King of all kings and now sits triumphantly at the right hand of God. Through him, the vast universe and all its glory was created. And yet he was led to Calvary, where he was crucified on a tree formed by his own hands, nailed to it by the very people he came to redeem. And there, on Golgotha's rocky hill, the very Word of God made flesh, endured with incomparable humility the most excruciating and harrowing death the world has ever seen. God's immeasurable love for all mankind was on full, heartbreaking display as Jesus bore in his stricken body the sins, iniquities, and infirmities of the world. Bleeding the precious blood of eternal atonement on the cross, the Messiah paid, in full measure, the debt that we owed God because of our transgressions. But this priceless offering wasn't just a collective sacrifice, it was personal, it was intimate, it was for me. The Savior of the world drank the cup of wrath that I deserved and freely poured out his soul to death for me. As my kingly substitute, he willingly took my place on the cross of Calvary and died on my behalf, a guilty sinner all the while looking into my eyes and proclaiming his ineffable love for me. Jesus endured a transcendent passion that was driven by an infinite and intimate love that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. He suffered and died because he loved. And for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. My salvation was that joy. How could anyone love me so much? It was only in this metamorphic flash of grace that it was impressed on me with such an unparalleled intensity just how deep and wide and magnificent that love really was. A love that drove Christ to endure the unthinkable and while suffering unspeakable pain, see my very face. This was a profound love that encompassed the very essence and nature of God himself. This was the sacrificial agape love I had long been waiting for. The only love that could eternally satisfy. Truly, there is no greater expression of love. Passport to Heaven can be found wherever books are sold. This is the Adams Road Program. Adams Road is a Christian music ministry dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Today's program features Adams Road songs, Adams Road piano instrumental music, as well as music in the spoken word, offered to God as an aroma of Christ to help spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Check out the Adams Road website at adamsroadministry.com. There you can download our songs for free, as well as our spoken word and instrumental music content. In addition, we share testimonies about the love of Jesus Christ and how He's transformed our lives. Please contact us through our website if you're interested in scheduling our Adams Road team for a time of song and testimony, or if you're interested in scheduling our pianist for a time of spoken word, piano music, and testimony. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. 